Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Will Clive, Chief People Officer at Pluralsight, a technology workforce development company. As a member of the Pluralsight executive team, Will leads all aspects of people strategy and operations for the company. He joined Pluralsight in 2015 and was named their Chief People Officer in June of 2021. In Will's tenure at Pluralsight, he has served across several strategy and operational roles, including a period of rapid growth with a 450% increase in headcount, and he played a key role in helping Pluralsight land on the Fortune 100 Best Companies to Work For list in 2020. Will is an experienced and passionate leader in the HR community, the clear dedication to transforming HR into a truly competitive differentiator by hiring world-class talent, actively developing that talent, and creating a culture of performance. With all that great passion and knowledge, we've asked Will to join us today and help us take a closer look at the value and impact that developing and upskilling the managers of a workforce can have in an organization's performance, especially in this evolving digital economy. So let's get Will introduced. Will, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Josh. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's great to have you on. We're excited to dig into a great conversation about the impact of managers and really how we can help managers succeed and organizations succeed in the workforce. But before we dive into that, let's get you introduced a bit more, share your story. So what led you to pursuing a career in human resources to start? Why HR? Uh, it is a really good question, Josh. And you know what's funny? I never started out my career with the intention of working in HR. Uh, it's sort of something that evolved over time as I was pushing to make a difference and have impact. So my background is actually in finance and strategy, and that's sort of how I grew up organizationally. And um, you know, here at Pluralsight, after I had been here for a handful of years and had grown in my career and had become a manager and led teams, I started coming to the realization that like, hey, uh, culture and leadership really makes a difference. And I could see that really clearly. And uh, an opportunity popped up uh, on our HR team to go do strategy work. And I debated it for the longest time. I thought, you know what, like I, I, I can see an opportunity for me to add value here in this in this realm and bring sort of a strategy and data focused approach to this space. But I was really concerned about making that that career shift. Uh, I didn't know if I would fit in. I didn't have a lot of domain knowledge in HR because I had never worked in the space before. And, you know, I, I, after much deliberation, decided to take a leap of faith and move over into the space. And this was a little more than four years ago now. And it was probably the greatest decision of my career. After I moved over into HR, what I found was, one, yes, um, I was able to make an impact. Uh, and two, I actually found that the problems that we're working on in this space, to me, are fascinating. Like they are strategically in interesting. They have tremendous impact on the outcomes at the company and uh, they deal with people. And so I, I just love the work. I think it's a fascinating space and so glad that sort of I, I ended up here. 
Oh, that that is great. I'm picking up your passion right off the top, and that's really what drove you there. It's so interesting to see again that career trajectory where you didn't start in HR. It was something that found you, and you really found that there was something you're passionate about and could make that impact. Impact is driving you through it and finding that success in the HR community. So yeah, thanks for sharing that, Will. That's awesome. Uh, so looking at making an impact, we're talking about managers here today. What makes managers of an organization so vital and critical? To remain competitive and successful for an organization, really, where do they make their greatest impact? Well, the frontline managers in particular, they are sort of the glue that holds the organization together and keeps it moving in the right direction. And, you know, they are the ones who are ensuring that all team members are driving towards the right outcomes. They are the ones who are responsible for ensuring growth and upskilling and development amongst all team members. They are the ones who are responsible for managing performance and ensuring that we're making progress towards those outcomes. And so having good front level managers is essential. And you know what? I actually think over the course of the last couple of years with the shift to distributed work, the importance of the role of management has increased, right? Because now, now we don't have oversight by everybody sitting in the office. It really is, you know, the weight of the world is on the shoulders of those leaders to go out and create the outcomes by engaging one-on-one with their team members in this new distributed world of work. Right. It has to be super intentional and thought out. Again, there can't just be that that understanding of maybe how performance is taking place by just being present. You have to be physically and emotionally with your team as a manager. I think that's certainly evolved over the last few years. Yep. Where else, Will, are you seeing those changes in roles and responsibilities for managers, especially over the past few years where we've seen so much change? What's changed in that manager role? Yeah, well, I think it's three big areas of skill development. I mean, the need has always been there, but the changes in the last couple of years have made these three areas more important. I think area number one, like we just talked about, is managing distributed teams, right? If you were in an office previously, like you may not have the the blocking and tackling down the, the, the basic skill set to effectively manage a globally distributed team. And to your point, Josh, it takes real intentionality on the part of that leader engaging one-on-one with people um, to ensure that there's still a sense of cohesion across the team, to ensure that the team is still aligned on the right outcomes and, and collaborating effectively. So distributed leadership um, is an area of development that I think has really uh, come to the forefront in the last couple of years. I think closely related to that is effective performance management. So again, same thing, you know, now we're not all sitting together in an office. And so I can't see what you're doing as your leader. So I've got to up my game, right? I've got to be more effective at creating agreements with you on what we need to go accomplish and then setting milestones so that I know that we're on track and then checking in with you regularly and helping remove obstacles so that you can hit those milestones. So performance management. And then the third thing I think is you know, technology and sort of the digital revolution continues to accelerate pace, right? And as managers, we are responsible for upskilling our teams and making sure that they are equipped 
with the skills that they need to compete and to add value with all of these new digital advancements and tools that exist. And so I think those are like the three big areas of evolution as I see them. You know, the distributed management, managing performance effectively, and then, you know, digital fluency. I love that. The performance management piece, I think that's really interesting and not one we get to talk about as much as maybe managing virtually or managing digitally or having that remote management experience, but that the KPIs and understanding what is productive from your team, sometimes all you can really base that off of is the end result, but understanding how your team is getting there. Look, I come from a time where being in office was common. I spent a majority of my career in office where you could walk around, you got a sense of who was really grinding away to who maybe was uh, was not really putting in 100% effort. And at this point, when you're managing teams virtually, you can really only base that off of end result. But the question comes in of how do you gauge bandwidth? Yeah, well, I would say, you know what, Josh, like you're right. Um, the end result is really important. But what we try to create here at, at Pluralsight and our guidance to leaders is you can't wait for the end result. Like if you've waited for the end result and for some reason it doesn't get delivered, like you've you, you've blown it as, as a manager, right? Right. Instead, what we're pushing our leaders to do is to engage more frequently earlier on and intentionally. So what does that look like? You know, once you're aligned on the outcome that you want to go create, like I said, working to co-create milestones or KPIs along the way where both the team member and the manager can gauge progress against objectives and then setting up regular touch points and conversations about performance. So, you know, if I've got a project with a team member where, you know, delivery is six months out, yeah, it's not good enough to just check in, you know, a month before it's due or, you know, at, at the delivery day and say, hey, okay, where are we at? You know, what we're pushing our leaders to do is engage weekly, engage biweekly, You've got to be having regular one-on-ones and check-ins with your team members. And those one-on-ones and check-ins have to include a review of the things that they're working on and, you know, inspection of progress against those milestones and KPIs. That's how you ensure that when you do get off track, people are able to quickly course correct and get back on track. And I think a secondary benefit is you know, if the manager is that deeply involved in collaborating with their direct reports on projects, they're going to have a really good sense of what that person's bandwidth is, right? And how much energy and time they're putting into those particular deliverables. Again, it, it, it just requires a higher level of commitment and execution for the manager to make things work in a digital sort of distributed world. Yeah, I love that. Gone are the days of like the drive-by manager. You can't do the drive-by check-in anymore. It's got to be a either a message through Teams or Outlook or your application of choice, or it's got to be a setting up a meeting, having time on the calendar to really see where your team is at um, and where that performance is. I, I love that. Thanks. So looking at roles and responsibilities for managers, we're always talking about skills and upskilling. And that's something that has certainly come to the forefront in HR conversation, especially over the last year. Upskilling your talent, especially again in a slimmer marketplace where workforces are really trying to do more with less. So what are those skills and training opportunities that organizations should focus on and HR teams should focus on to help set their managers up for success? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think you're right. We we are all being asked to do more with less. And so 
How do you achieve that? How do you equip managers to go create that? I think there are a couple things that that can be done, and these are things that we are focused on here. Um, thing number one is creating a culture of upskilling and skill development, uh, and it's so important because you know as organizations are squeezed a little bit, you know that that often results in people stepping into new roles or wearing different hats and stepping outside of their comfort zone where maybe they don't have deep domain knowledge or previous experience. And so in order for them to add value now in this new future, they've got to develop their skills. And so building that culture of learning and providing them with the resources so they can build technical skills is critical. And then I think the the other thing that we're doing at Pluralsight is some of these softer things that I've been talking about, like how to manage effectively in a distributed environment, how to manage performance effectively. We're actually spinning up and developing training on those topics too. So we're giving leaders the soft skills that they need to lead their teams and then also helping all team members develop the technical capabilities and fluency that they need to operate in this new world. I love that. So how do you measure the success of upskilling initiatives then as you're putting that time and energy and those resources in what is successful? Where do you see, okay, the end results say this is working? Well, I think that varies for every company based on their strategy. And I think that's really where you've got to start is the upskilling or development strategy that you put in place at your company has got to be tied to your company strategies and your unique outcomes. And then from there, you can develop specific KPIs that you think are going to demonstrate success. And I can give some examples here um, because you know, we've been deeply involved in this over the course of the last couple of years. You know, last year, for example, we, we came to the realization that, hey, cloud computing is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And almost every role in our company, there's a need to understand some of the basics of what cloud computing is. And so we created a campaign to get every employee a basic level of fluency with cloud computing, right? Um, and so our goal was to increase fluency. The KPI that we were using was completion of certain training. And we put in place you know, a campaign to get team members involved in that effort. It was sort of a multifaceted campaign that started with messaging from the highest levels of leadership, involved structured study groups, um, reporting and metrics for each organization on completion rates. And as a result of sort of starting with strategy, setting a goal, and then building the structure underneath that, we were able to get 95% of our employees to complete this cloud training and, and at least get a basic level of you know, understanding as it relates to cloud computing. Wow. Yeah, that's that goal of buy-in that everybody's going for, right? Where you, again, have that investment from the top down. Everybody believes in it, is invested, and rallies the culture around it. Uh, that's really smart. So as you're looking at, at really building successful upskilling culture, where should HR teams start? Where do you recommend HR teams starting to foster a culture of continuous development and upskilling? Yeah, that's a great question. And this is a tough nut to crack. Like, um, you know, at Pluralsight, we, we are in the business of helping empower tech teams to upskill and achieve more. And so we have lots of conversations with companies that are trying to do this. And, uh, you know, it requires intentionality and it's not easy. And I think 
I think some of the keys, some of the foundations are actually, you know, things that I mentioned in that previous answer. Uh, if you want to build a successful culture of learning, I think thing number one that you've got to do is you've got to, you've got to make it part of the, the values, sort of the fabric, the way that you operate as a company, right? Uh, and that starts at the highest level of leadership. Like if the CEO and the executive team is not bought in to learning and development uh, and talking about it regularly and frequently and encouraging team members to be involved in it, uh, you know, carving out dedicated learning time to demonstrate that it's a priority. Like if you can't get buy-in from the top and create that culture, it's going to be really challenging. So I think that's thing number one is you need buy-in from the highest levels of leadership to build that learning culture. I think number two is you've got to provide the resources, the tools and platforms. Uh, so you got culture and then you got the tools, but those two alone aren't enough. Sometimes, at least what I've seen in my career is, you know, you, you can message from the very top, hey, this is really important. We want you all to upskill and you've all got access to this platform. And those two things alone don't necessarily create the outcome of all team members engaging and, and upskilling. Um, I think the third ingredient that you've got to have in place is you've got to have some structure for folks, right? Uh, here are the focus areas. Here are the goals. Here are some programs that we're running, right? Here are some study groups for you to be involved in. Uh, like you, you got to have some structure around it to help make it easier and reduce sort of the barriers, the friction that exists for people. So those three elements, I think if you if you can put those three things in place, that goes a long way towards creating a, a strong culture of learning and development at your company. I love those three, and they all make so much sense tying together, right? You're creating that value. I think, as you mentioned, that buy-in, that communication from the top, it shares that there's value in upskilling with the company and produces that buy-in, but then also making it easy, right? Making it easy and, and understandable is so crucial. And that, that's just such an important part of getting people to participate, right? If it's difficult, you're going to lose people. Make it easy. You make it clear. You provide the tools to do so to upskill, but also provide a path. Don't just send them on their way and say, yep, here you go. Let's go learn. Uh, no, here's here's a great way to do it. And here's an easy pathway to do it, to fit into your responsibilities. I think that's always the biggest challenge too, is the idea of, of upskilling is great, but where do you fit that into your, your time? And is it worth your time? Uh, and if you can really create that and make that possible, uh, I think you're, you're set up to win. Yeah. One, one other thought that your comments just spurred for me, and it's something that we've tried to do here in our efforts. And I think something that, that is a benefit to other people who are trying to do this is helping people understand the why is really important. You know, when I was in school where I struggled, it was because I couldn't see the why, the application of why I was being asked to learn X, yeah. Y, or Z thing. And so um, part of what we have tried to be intentional about here with our team members is messaging the why. You know, when you engage in learning, here's what this can unlock for you, right? Here's how it could progress your career. Here's the opportunity that it, it, it might create for you. And so one way of doing that is, is highlighting wins. So as an example, like if you've got people in your organization who have upskilled such that they've been able to get promoted or move into like a new role, you know, maybe move from a non-technical role to a technical role, you know, intentionally taking those folks and their success stories and then like broadcasting that and highlighting those wins 
to the rest of the organization makes it real and helps people see the why and the value that could come from them investing in their own development and, and growth. And then that goes back to a lot of that value and impact that managers can have. They're a great advocate for celebrating those wins, for really propping up their direct reports that are crushing it, the ones that are actually getting it done and doing a great job, giving them the pat on the back to the C-suite, to the rest of the company. Well, you're right. And it goes even deeper than that. I mean, the role of a good manager is helping illuminate that why for their team members, you know. Every manager should be having regular career development conversations with with their direct reports. And as they have those conversations, they should be sort of gauging and assessing, hey, what are some of the opportunities that exist for this person? And then helping paint for them the steps that they see that person can take to get there. And hopefully some of those, usually some of those steps include gaining or developing new skills. They almost always include that, right? And so you as a manager, like your job is to see for them like what the possibilities are and then help point them in the direction and say, hey, here's maybe where you could develop the skills and here's some tools and resources that I see for you to develop the skills to get to the next level. Yeah, you're creating that map that we were talking right. about, that pathway. And that, again, goes back to just why that manager role is so vital to the overall organizational success. So we looked at great things that HR teams and organizations could start doing to foster a culture of continuous development, but bringing it back to the managers, what's one thing that organizations should stop doing that's maybe working against their people managers succeeding and really setting up organizations for the success we talked about? Yeah, this is a great question. And I think one thing that comes to mind is as we're talking about upskilling and metrics and KPIs, I think especially in a distributed work world, there is a tendency for us as leaders to over rely on data and KPIs and reporting. And when we over rely on those things, like those objective metrics, we kind of inadvertently get away from the human element, the, the personal connection. And so, you know, while the data and the KPIs are great, we can't forget that we need to be having real conversations and connecting with people and fostering relationships and understanding their unique context and the nuance around situations that accompany the data and the KPIs. It's understanding their why too, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Like, don't forget, we still need to dig in and understand the why of the team member and not just look at reports and, and KPIs. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, Will, as we're looking at, again, these trends within the HR industry, within, within organizations, especially as we move into this evolving digital economy, what's something you're excited about just emerging in the world of HR in general and people operations? What's something that you're really excited about going forward? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, I've got a handful of things that I am excited about. I guess, I guess the biggest thing that I'm excited for in this space is like I talked about in the beginning of the conversation, it is sort of the elevated role of culture and managers moving forward. Like I talked about in the beginning, I, I think the key to success for so many companies now is investing in leadership development and training to equip managers to, to be successful because it's harder now with distributed work, right? Um, and, 
you know, many of us in the HR space have sort of been banging the drum of like, hey, leadership and investment and talent is really important for many years now. And I think that is getting more traction and more focus as companies and executive teams and leadership realizes that like, hey, in order to be successful in this new world of work, where it's so dynamic, the pace of change is so fast, and we're all operating in this distributed fashion, I've got to invest in my leadership and in my people to upskill them first. I've got to work through them. That's the starting point. And so I'm sensing more buy-in and recognition of that, which to me is really, really exciting as an HR leader. Uh, that, That is great. Right. You've got great talent. Use them. Develop them. You don't need to go outside. You've got great talent in-house. Promote them, develop them. They can keep growing with your organization. So again, we're here with Will Clive, Chief People Officer at Pluralsight. Will, as, as we've really been talking so much about current HR trends, let's look back a bit. What's something you've learned about yourself since 2020 uh, that you feel has set you up to be a better leader? Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. Listen, I, I think the last couple of years have been really challenging, particularly for tech companies with sort of the macro environment that, that we're dealing with. Um, and for myself, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the course of the last couple of years that I think has set me up for success uh, is like I talked about earlier, it is to check in on the person first and understand how they're doing. And so one of the things that I have tried to do with my own teams, because there's so much happening in the business, right? There's like, yeah, there's so much pressure to perform. And sometimes we can get in a mode of like always focused on fighting the next fire and we forget to check in on the person. And I have found it to be useful to create little little reminders for myself in the way that I operate that nudge me to connect with my team on a human level. And so like a simple thing that I do is at the beginning of all of my regular one-on-ones with my team members to just take a moment to ask them, hey, how are you doing? How are things going for you, right? I don't have any agenda when I ask that question. It's really just to check in on them and give them a forum to sort of share what's happening for them. And you would be shocked at when you create the space, like what you'll hear and the value that that will create, right? And how it can help you be a better leader and a better manager and a better coach for your team members when you really take the time to listen to them and to understand what's happening for them. So um, maybe seems a little antithetical to the moment that we're in and all the business pressure that exists, but it's stop, slow down, and don't forget to focus on the people. I I like it. It's having that honest moment to check in, really get a sense of where they are. And that can answer so many of the questions downstream too, again, of end results or what can you do to help support them, right? Right. You get a sense of, hey, we're all in this work-life blend world where they may be just stressing out about outside stressors. Um, and how can I help support you so that I can still kind of get the best out of you, set you up to succeed? Sometimes you may not see where that struggle point is or that someone's challenged. And when you ask, hey, how are you doing? Uh, you may get a better sense of that. Yep. Uh, completely agree. So providing that great advice there, Will, this leads us nicely to the next question I've got for you. Was there a piece of advice that you've leaned on throughout your career, professional advice, that you could pass along to our audience of HR and recruiting professionals? Yes. Uh, I've got two principles or pieces of advice that have been North Stars for me 
in guiding my own career development. I love it. Let's do it. The first piece of advice is never let yourself get complacent. Um, like always push to be outside of your comfort zone. You know, early in my career, uh, I had uh, a role where I just wasn't learning much, you know, and that was that was one of the worst experiences of my career because I didn't feel like I was being pushed and I was being and, and I was growing. As I look back on it, I really regret the wasted time. And I promised to myself then like, hey, I'm never going to let myself sit in in this zone where I'm stagnant. And so one of my guiding principles is, hey, whenever I start to feel a little stale, in my role, like my skills aren't being pushed. Like it's time for me to like, like raise my hand and say, Hey, I need more, or I need to step outside of my comfort zone or look for a new role or whatever it may be. Like that's a signal for me is always be just on the edge of your comfort zone. And then principle number two is always find a way to create impact or add value. Like that's been the guiding principle of my career. And it's actually what ended me up here in HR is just proactively looking for ways where I can add the most value to my company, right? So um, sometimes those opportunities are not what we had planned in sort of a linear career path. Uh, but if you're always pushing to create as much value as you can, you're going to feel really fulfilled and satisfied and it's going to open really interesting doors for you. So th those are my two principles. Um, stay curious and keep learning. Always be outside of your comfort zone and always seek to try and add impact wherever you are. Impact. That's the central theme. Th those are great, though, Will. Thank you for sharing those. So, again, we're here with Will Clive, Chief People Officer at Pluralsight. Will, for our audience, is there anything you'd like to share about Pluralsight, anything you're excited about and best ways to get in touch with you guys at Pluralsight? Yeah. Um, well, listen, we, we've had a great conversation today, Josh, and a lot of what we've talked about has been upskilling and equipping managers in particular with the skills that they need to operate most effectively. And that's really what Pluralsight does. It is a platform that helps all team members, but especially tech teams, upskill and achieve more. So, um, you know, if you've got that need in your organization and you're wanting to upskill either yourself or uplevel your team, I'd encourage you to check out our Pluralsight platform. You can see what we've got to offer at www.pluralsight.com. That is perfect. Thank you, Will. All right, Will. So before we let you go, this is how we close out every episode. And it's a question built around motivation. You wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor. What's the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? Uh... Honestly, it's what I talked about earlier, and it is making a difference in creating impact. I, I legitimately get really excited to come to work because I truly feel like in my role, I'm helping people out and I'm helping create impact. Um, and that, that's like what motivates me. Listen, the, the work is hard and sometimes the hours are long. And so you've got to have something beyond yourself that motivates you to grind every day. And so for me, that's it. Well, I'll tell you what, Will, you've inspired me to go make an impact after we uh, we wrap up this call. So well done. Uh, but again, thank you just for your time and insight. So Will Clive, Chief People Officer at Pluralsight, thanks for joining the HR Works Podcast. Let's definitely keep this conversation going. But thanks for the time today and great talking to you. Thanks for having me, Josh. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, 
Amazon Audible.